Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. During his ministry, Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is the body of Christ. Through his messages, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll free at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. Perhaps the most important contribution that the epistle of James makes to the New Testament is in the area of practical Christian perfection. Some people may not understand the usage of the word perfection in this context. James actually uses it in verse 4 of chapter 1. Let me read beginning at verse 2 to give it its proper context. Count it all joy, my brothers, whenever you fall into various trials, knowing that the proving of your faith works out endurance. And let endurance have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing." What is it to let endurance have its perfect work that we may be perfect? We'll look into this in today's program, and Bob Danker has joined us for this live study. Bob, let's talk about this word perfect here. I believe it's the Greek word teleos. I happen to look at one of the better word studies or expository dictionaries, and that's Vines, and he defines it this way. The word teleos, which we have translated perfect here, means finished or complete signifies having reached its end. I know uh, you're involved in the editorial work at Living Stream. Help us understand this word in its right context, in its right meaning. Well, here, Chris, it seems that that James realizes that we need some experience of suffering and trials in our environment so that some qualities in our character can be built up. Right. That we may be more godly, more according to what God wants us to be. We are not perfect. We have many flaws and defects. So James comes in and tells us that through the suffering of various kinds of trials, our faith is proved, and we learn to endure these trials. And this endurance has a kind of perfect work in us that perfects us and causes us to lack in nothing That means we are lacking Mm -hmm. in certain qualities and certain aspects of our Christian life. But so James is concerned about this. We could even say this is one of the main subjects or main points in James's epistle. It's certainly, without question, one of the strong points or points that recommend James and his contribution. In our view, this book is useful in a number of ways, one of which may seem kind of negative, and that is that it helps us to see the contrast In some regards, it seems at least puzzling that James is using Old Testament language and is obviously conveying Old Testament thought, even though he's addressing New Testament believers. There does seem to be a contrast here, doesn't there, in James? There really does, Chris. When we read through this epistle, we find definite references to Old Testament matters 
even in the first verse, he refers to the 12 tribes in dispersion. Yeah. Of course, these were the ones to whom he addressed his epistle. But actually, in the New Testament, God's people are no longer the 12 tribes. considered <laughs> yeah. among the 12 tribes. Even the Jewish believers were counted as members of the body of Christ and members of the one new man with the Gentiles. In a sense, in a very real sense, through the cross, Christ abolished the distinction between the Jews and the Gentiles and brought them all together in himself to have a new man. They were all one entity in Christ. So James seems to still have the concept that the Jewish believers still belonged to the 12 tribes. Humanly, they did, but in the divine sense, they did not. They no longer were among the 12 tribes. They were God's New Testament people. Yeah, and Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 gives us three clear categories, Jews, Greeks or Gentiles, and the church. And once we believe, whether we, regardless of which uh, of those original two categories we come from, whether it's Jew or Gentile, once we believe, we've been transferred out of either category and into the third one, the church. So that's the point, isn't it? That the church is a composition of Jewish believers, Gentile believers, all manner of various backgrounds. If we believe, we're all the one body of Christ, the church, and as you said, the new man. Exactly. All right, Bob. Uh, We've read these verses in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Let's join Witness Lee with this first segment today. Okay, let us come again to James. Verse 2 says, Count it all joy. Count the persecution and the trials all joy. Not just count certain trial joy. Count all trials joy, my brothers. Whenever you fall into various trials, the various trials perfect. So, we all have to count these trials joy. Verse 3, knowing that the proving of your faith, you see, as a believer, you do have the Christian faith, and that faith has to be tried, has to be tested, has to be proved, and this proving of your faith produces endurance. The testing we suffer produces endurance. Endurance is different from patience. Many times, your patience is not enduring. You may be patient for one day. The next day, (laughs) you know. But you need an enduring patience. We need the endurance. Yet, the endurance comes out of what? Out of the proving, the testing, the proving of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its complete work. Let the endurance be completed, that you may be complete and entire. James was very detailed, and he was very descriptive in speaking his view of the Christian practical perfection. It has to be complete, whichever point, and it has to be entire as a whole. Bob, this is very practical Christian instruction here and help. Let's just take it at that level. I have a son who's married now and has his family uh, that's growing, and he has a very responsible job, 
and he is suffering a lot right now. It's a kind of trial for him. I'm talking purely humanly. And he is calling me, and uh, and I can tell he just wants to run away in a sense. I'm just telling him, no, this is going to benefit you. This is going to help you. And in a sense, what I'm seeing, that the benefit of this is it's going to create a kind of an endurance. Sometimes the only way that endurance can be worked into our being is through trial and suffering, isn't it? That's exactly right, Chris. And this is why James speaks of counting it all joy when we fall into various temptations, trials, sufferings of all kinds, because God uses these environmental sufferings to build up a quality in us, which is the quality of endurance. Now, Brother Lee here distinguished between patience and endurance. We may be patient. To be patient is to be able to wait, but to endure is to be able to suffer some kind of discomfort or even persecution or some kind of trial for a long time. It's enduring, and nothing can produce this quality in us except suffering and trials. We don't have it in our natural constitution, our natural man. Uh, Only certain amount of environmental sufferings can allow the Lord to work in us, to produce in us this very necessary quality. And the New Testament speaks of this quite much, the matter of our need to endure until the end, as if we're running a long race. And the farther we run, the more our body is in pain, (laughs) our muscles are aching, yet we must continue to run in spite of the pain and the suffering. So this is a matter of endurance until we cross the finish line, until we reach the goal. Seems like on this level, Bob, uh, James was, you know, had had very good utterance and he's really able to give us some uh, very practical kind of help. Of course, as we'll see, as the, not only the today's program develops, but as this entire life study unfolds, we're really talking about a, a realm that's important, it's necessary, but it's still somewhat superficial. We're working on the vessel here and not really getting to the content. And, of course, in this life study, we're always talking about the content, the cargo, uh, what's inside the vessel, and that is our main focus. But this book has been divinely placed in in the New Testament, in the canon of Scripture, and its contribution is valuable, and so we don't want to uh, minimize that. That's right, Chris. Okay, let's stay with James. He's going to add now in verse 5, But if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and does not reproach, and it will be given to him. Then if you jump ahead to verse 12, we see a kind of a conclusion here to this line of thought. Blessed is the man who endures trial, because when he has become approved by testing, he will receive the crown of life, which he promised to those who love him. seems like James now is back in the New Testament, at least uh, for a time. Here's Witness Lee with our next portion. But if anyone of you lack wisdom, you see... You may be complete, you may be entire to that degree or to that content, yet you may be still short of wisdom. What shall you do? You ask. You know, to be perfect in your behavior, the basic need is wisdom. A foolish man can never be perfect. He's so foolish. If you are a wise man, full of wisdom, Surely, in every activity, in your daily character, you 
would behave yourself in a perfect way. The perfection is carried out mainly by your wisdom. A wise man or a wise lady is always perfect. So, we are short of wisdom. We have to ask of God for the wisdom. To be perfect, we need the wisdom. And to endure trials, we need the wisdom. You'll be persecuted. You'll be troubled. You will never lose your temper. What is this? This is wisdom. How to endure the trials? Number one, you need to pray that the Lord would give you wisdom. Then what? You have to pray in faith. And you have to realize, regardless what's what, whether the environment is good for me or is bad for me, it means the same thing. Whether they are low, whether they are high, it means the same. This is your wisdom. And this helps you to endure the trials. You can endure the trial. You will be blessed. Blessed is the man who endures trial because having become approved, he will receive the crown of life. The crown of life. And this will be a reward which the Lord will give to those who love Him. You know, Bob, just looking back in our own uh, lives, our own experience over so many years, you know, eventually you do kind of come to this point where you realize, you know, whether my outward circumstance is good or not that good, it's all about the same. (laughs) God is using both. And that's what really is of merit and of value. And that is a kind of wisdom, isn't it? It is to see our lives in this way, to realize that whatever our environment or whatever we are going through or whatever trial we may be enduring, the Lord is working in it. It does seem, however, that James spoke of wisdom in relation to the enduring of trials and in relation to practical Christian perfection. And there is a little contrast, I think, if we would compare James's speaking with Paul's speaking, for instance, uh-huh. concerning the matter of wisdom. Paul did mention the matter of wisdom in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Right. There he said that Christ is the wisdom of God and that God has placed us in Christ and has made Christ wisdom to us, both righteousness and and sanctification and redemption. And this is a, I would say, another level to wisdom. This is wisdom according to God's economy. And here wisdom is not something that we receive from God by asking, but it's something related to Christ. It's not on a human level, but rather on a divine level. And Christ becomes wisdom to us so that God may carry out his eternal plan to dispense himself into our being in Christ and to fill us with Christ to make us the same as Christ, to mingle Christ with us, to carry out God's economy until our whole being is saturated with Christ. Mm -hmm. This is what we see very prominently if we read Paul's epistles, but it's not as clear in James's epistle. Yeah, it seems the concept here of wisdom that James is presenting is almost closer to that Old Testament example when Solomon asked God for wisdom, and 
God granted his, his request. He gave him a kind of wisdom. Boy, when you read those words of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, that sense that wisdom there is, is not just a gift from God. It's a person. It's, it's Christ himself, isn't it? That's another, as you said, level of wisdom. Right. And we need Christ as our wisdom to be our righteousness, that we may be justified by God in spite of our sinful past. We need Christ to be our sanctification so that we may be uh, saturated with the holy nature of God. And we need Christ ultimately to be our redemption, our hope of glory, so that our bodies of humiliation, which are in the old creation, can be glorified. Then we will be really perfect, (laughs) not just in a human sense, or even, uh, I would say, a sense that is uh, in keeping with the law of Moses, uh, kind of have perfect in our conduct. Yeah, our but we'll be perfect in our very being. Right. We'll be perfect. And Christ himself is our perfection. Yeah, it's not something we work up or can attain to or achieve. It's really apprehending and laying hold of Christ in a very substantial and real way to where he actually becomes that, that very perfection. Amen. Bob, this contrast, I think, will get highlighted a bit more in this final section. Here's Witness Lee once again. These writer James, he is a godly man. He knows God, and he loves the Lord. And he's a man of wisdom, of prayer, of faith. And he's a man who knows the real situation of the human life. And he's also a man who is willing and joyful to endure all sufferings. But could you believe? Even such a one may lack the clear vision concerning God's economy. Let me tell you, history of 2,000 years, full of biographies, thousands godly men like James. But they all are short of a clear vision concerning God's economy. Today, even on this earth today, around the globe, thousands of these kind of persons, these kind of Christians, people would say, well, isn't that sufficient to be a man like James? Doesn't he know everything concerning God? Yes, he knows. But it's still possible for such a one to be Lacking of a clear view concerning God's move in all the dispensations. Now, I open up a little bit to let you know what is the reason I love this book. Because this book shows us the possibility of a man so godly, so knowing God, so loving God, so wise, so praying, so believing, so realizing the human life, still he could lack a clear view of God's economy. And these thousands of Christians today, they would say, as long as you love the Lord, everything is good. Thousands devoted Christians, godly, loving God, are like this. This can never satisfy God's desire. Only a person, not only so godly, so knowing God, but also 
a clear view concerning God's economy in this age, like Paul. These could fulfill God's heart desire. Bob, I think it's important to point out um, we don't say with absolute certainty. I mean, in a sense, there's some speculation here. But in addition to these practical items of Christian perfection, the help with our character, etc., that we get from James, perhaps one reason that he's included in the New Testament record is to give us this contrast and to let us see a man so full of all these qualities, so godly, so pious, so full of prayer and all these things, and yet apparently short of this clear vision. It's possible to be such a man and to think uh, that, that we're fulfilling God's goal and desire. But if you read the rest of the New Testament, particularly Paul, you just can't get there from here, can you? You can't. It's somewhat striking, I would say. You read the epistle of James carefully, and then especially if you've immersed yourself in Paul's epistles, there is a definite contrast between James and Paul. James is pious. James is godly. James is wise. He's a man of faith and yeah. a man of prayer. Yeah. It's hard to imagine a better Christian than James. But if we read his epistle, we get the impression that he lacked something. He lacked a clear vision of God's economy. And I would say this is indicated mainly by his mixing the law, the Old Testament dispensation, with the New Testament dispensation. If we read Paul's epistles, for instance, we see Paul strongly telling the believers that they're no longer under the law yeah. and that uh, they've been crucified with Christ. Their whole entire old man has been terminated, and uh, now they are in Christ, and Christ lives in them. And, you know, they need Christ to make his home in their hearts yeah. and to be formed in them and to live in them. This is this is God's economy. God's economy is not a matter of our keeping the law of the Old Testament and being pious and even perfect in that sense. God's economy is to have Christ living in us, growing in us unto maturity so that we become mature sons of God and members of the body of Christ. There's no hint in uh, James's epistle that the goal of God's economy is to build up a body to express Christ. But in Paul's epistles, we see this quite clearly. So we have to admit there is a quite a contrast here. And sometimes it takes a contrast to be able to see the thing clearly. And again, we're not presuming to know God's mind exactly, but we're just uh, to the best we can and to the light that the Lord has granted us, this is what it seems as we touch this epistle. You know, Bob, we do have this good utterance in verse 1 where he mentions that he's a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ, of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. But beyond that verse, not that much emphasis on Christ. You don't see him talk that much about the Spirit uh, and this conveyance of you know the person of Christ into the believer that you see in Paul. So just a different different emphasis. That's right. Okay, Bob, good fellowship today. Uh, this is not an easy book. I think our listeners are getting that impression. It's not an easy one to handle, and we're trying to do it faithfully. Uh, and reverently and with a, a real spirit of humility because these are difficult matters. So we need the Lord very much in these programs, don't we? We certainly do. Good to have you, Bob. Hope you'll join us again very soon. We hope you'll also stay with us as we continue in this life study of James. We have the printed volume. We also have a companion volume I'll mention called the Crystallization Study. 
Witness Lee gave the first life study of James in 1985. About 10 years later, he came back to the book and I would say developed it even further and in a few areas which we'll touch as we go along and we'll point out his view actually changed somewhat on some of the key things and uh, Bob will count on you in coming programs to help us understand some of these advances or developments in his own thinking so we have both of these volumes if you'd like to get either or both contact us our toll free number 1-888-LIFE-STUDY 888-543-3788 for Bob Danker I'm Chris Wilde thank you for listening today Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you'd like to read the works of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, just visit our website, ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll find over 600 complete titles available to read online free of charge. Witness Lee's ministry stood squarely on the shoulders of his mentor and co-worker, Watchman Nee as well as those of countless ministers of the New Testament throughout the ages. The riches contained in his life study of the Bible represent the top, the cream of his 70-plus years of ministry and range in topic from lessons for new believers to commentary and exposition on passages from every book of the Bible. But they all contain practical and deeper truths about the Christian life. Again, this wonderful online resource is available to you free of charge at ministrybooks.org. If you have questions or comments about this ministry or the program you heard today, email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today.